Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 115th episode of the Truth Island podcast. As of late, a lot of news articles and stories have been pouring in about UFOs and extraterrestrials. While the stories and classified documents appear to be very impressive, there has yet to be an encounter strong enough to change the world's opinion in one giant sweep. However, assuming one day in the near future, an alien civilization did make contact with us, how would that change humanity? Would we continue to think that us as humans are a special and noble creature deserving of divine protection? Would we submit to an alien race as supreme overlords, or would we quietly try and understand their ways to one day overthrow them? How would our relationship with religion or God look like? Would we believe everything our new friends tell us about life, or would we still look past them towards a supreme being beyond them? If this new alien civilization was supremely more intelligent than us, how would we start looking at animals would we start seeing that we have more in common with horses and swinging tree monkeys than we'd like to have imagined? Supposing aliens already know that we're here on Earth, why have they not bothered contacting us? Is it perhaps that we have very little to offer them? Joining me to discuss some of the philosophical ramifications of alien life, I am once again joined by Alexander. Alex, if aliens came knocking on your front door tomorrow, what would be the first question you would want to ask them? I would ask them, do you come in peace? I'd be in an absolute panic, you know, and, and excitement as well. But I don't know these people. You know, <laughs> we, only, we only know it from Spielberg films. For all I know, they could be the least friendly entity I could come across in a lifetime. My, my whole thing with uh, if asking them if they come in peace is like, what stops them from just lying to us? You know, if like they can I, lie. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, that's that's true. Because if we think about like, because I think didn't Cortez and Pizarro and all of these other people, they initially came and said, oh, I come in peace. I come in peace. Right. Mm. They, they all said the same lie. And then they just ended up taking over these like indigenous people and, and completely slaughtering them like there was no tomorrow. So I think like we would have to just wait and see like mm -hmm. what it is that they did with us. They, they might profess that they're here to serve us and, and give us everything that we want. But I don't know, I, I guess, I guess what these aliens, their actions would speak a lot louder than their beeps and blurps. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be, it would be such a tricky beeps and blurps. Yeah. They're cyborgs for sure. It would be a tricky situation, right? Because how do we convince them not to judge us by our actions? Because we commit so much atrocity on ourselves. So, you know, they could look at that as a measuring stick and say, well, listen, your word doesn't really hold water. Meanwhile, we've been peaceful for 3,000 years. Exactly. I mean, I would just shudder to think if they saw one of these like animal slaughtering houses or something, if, if mm. they saw that, I mean, would we even have like a moral leg to stand on? Because it, it, would, it would just be like, well, it, you clearly dominate and slaughter any creature that you perceive to be weaker or dumber than you are. Mm -hmm. Why the hell should we show you any mercy? I mean, it's a valid question. If you were to take an outsider's perspective and you see the lights that we have scattered all across the world from outer space, you kind of can compare humanity a little bit towards bacteria growing on a loaf of bread, <laughs> right? We're destroying the very thing that's housing us in the first place. We aren't necessarily striking a balance. There's no symbiosis between our waste that we create and you know the bounty that we can engineer. 
So, you know, they might be looking at it, well, okay, there's this one little planet in the perfect zone, in the habitable, habitable zone for water. Uh, how many of these are even remotely available? And is it worthwhile to let these guys so much dumber than us run this world? <laughs> if the shoe is on the other foot, we have a bad history about making those choices ourselves. You know, I, I think it's important, like whether aliens are watching us or not, but to always pretend as if they are watching us. I, th I think mm. that's a good mindset that humanity should always be in. Like, what exactly are we doing here? Um, you know, one thing that always kind of puzzles my mind about aliens is that in every single movie, when the aliens arrive on Earth, they always like speak the same language they always have that they always look the same that there's and what that shows is that like an intelligent species really has their like act together completely you know what i mean like they they are a unified planet like if people come from mars like they are all speaking the same martianese and they're all they're all in lockstep with one another and this you know elon musk we want to colonize mars and i'm like in my opinion, I don't think we as a species have fully utilized this earth. Like we have not unified. We have not come together. We, we are not acting in sync as a single species. I, I think it's unheard of for any, any species to inhabit another planet like Mars or whatever, if we have not fully, you know, created a, a one world government or a, a come together as a, as a single species. I think that's just ridiculous. Well, I think the big secret is we don't necessarily expect for this planet to last. I think that we're not necessarily banking on the ability for us to be in total symbiosis with the earth. I think it's, and you know, I see a lot of practical reasons behind that too. I don't, there are certain countries who are trying to become the next superpower that have lower morals than, you know, our current environmental standards. And what happens then? How much would the planet be escalated with climate change and the eventuality of them taking the mantle right it's a right. it's a you know valid question I, I would rather bank on having a second option than banking that everyone will get their shit together right like I, when did that happen in, in a class it's like oh you're working on a project everyone's getting along perfectly fine like imagine mm. imagine you have an investor that comes up to you right okay. and you gave him a million dollars and he like lost that million dollars in two weeks would you give him another million dollars like no. probably not so as a species if we completely bankrupt this this planet and destroy it why why should we invest in colonizing another planet because i feel like the same exact thing is going to happen you know i love space exploration it just fascinates me and interests me like studying the cosmos but i think it's like kind of ridiculous to, to think that we are at a stage right now where we don't even have a uniform government when we haven't really created a uh, peace and and are living fully like in a symbiotic relationship with this planet i think it's silly to just go ahead yeah but we have to zoom out on the scale of our historical timeline here all things considered 2000 years which has been really the majority of our recorded history just a right like maybe what we've we go back knowing a decent amount of history probably around like 800 ad if we're lucky right? i guess i guess if you throw in the ancient text well let's make it yeah. we can make it like around 3000 4000 right <laughs> okay, yeah. so 4000 years which is a blip it's a blip <laughs> we're still learning like we're learning how to adult and you know no one's showing us the way and it's a colossal mess and people die in the process and it's not fair. It's an ugly reality. But maybe 
once we become interplanetary or what is that? I guess not interplanetary, right? It would be being on multiple <laughs> planets would be the term. I wonder if we're able to take everything good that we've learned from earth. And instead of having the trial by error process on a new planet, we just might be able to structure it enough where we kind of have guidelines in terms of how we want to. I, I, I want to see it here on this planet yeah. first. And, and here's, here's my rationale behind it is that, you know, I, I've known people who, like, if you ever talk to somebody that says, oh, I'm so miserable, I'm so miserable, oh, maybe just a change in scenery will do it. Maybe if mm -hmm. I just move here. And what ends up happening is that that misery tends to migrate wherever they go. Like, it doesn't matter, oh, if I just move to this warmer climate, I'll be happier or whatever. And, and like, okay, yeah, maybe that will change your mood in, in temporarily. But like, if the fundamental issues haven't been fixed in a, you know, in a stationary location, that misery and those problems will just follow you. You know, it's like, I, I've known that I've known people who have been through multiple marriages and it's like, mm -hmm. if they have not fundamentally fixed the, the character flaw of themselves, then those character flaws just transfer themselves over to the new relationship or to the new marriage or the, to the new locale. So with human beings, if we have ugly things that we have not fixed about ourselves, I think I think it I think it's crazy to think that we can just leave it behind, that we can just mm -hmm. hop into some cylinder of a rocket ship and just be like, okay, bye had bye bad habits, we're leaving you behind. Yeah, you know, that is an <laughs> ugly truth too. It would be impossible for a perfect human being to do or go anywhere for sure. There is gonna be some interesting dynamics that are taken from the way we earth towards the way we Martian politics and hierarchical structures of the government system that we create on this planet is definitely going to be one of those major factors or the, how we share food or share resources. Is it completely equal? Is it disproportionate towards those that are more essential in terms of uh, what's required on a Marshall planet? Yeah, those are all enormous questions, but the reality is, is that this planet is unfortunately on its way out from what the science is telling us let's say let's say the scientists are accurate right let's say the scientists are accurate and not taking into account any sort of rebound like we saw in coronavirus where in one year you have this tremendous upheaval of you know natural abundance kind of resurfacing in a much faster and exponential rate than we expected so let's say not taking that into account science says what 150 years humanity 200 years that we have left I, but but here's the thing man i think we have a much better chance of fixing this planet which is mm. still like it has some dents and like some scratches and maybe like the front bumper needs That's to true. be replaced than we do of mars which is in way worse shape like there's no oxygen on the darn planet there's no Wait, plants what? there's no there's no oxygen on, on mars. there's no oxygen on mars <laughs> there's no there's no trees there's no plants like they're saying that like as soon as this shuttle lands on there they're going to be hit with all this radiation and other mm. like things that we never even thought of the gravity is not completely aligned to the way our bodies were so i'm thinking in my head we have a much better chance of fixing our own ozone layer of converting to like solar energy and just fixing the problems that we have right now than we do of just starting at a blank slate, which is a much more difficult blank slate. Because bear in mind, our bodies 
evolved for the contours of this planet and this planet in particular. If we go to some other planet, if we go to a Mars, if we go to a Pluto or whatever, it's like we weren't evolved for the conditions of that planet. Mm -hmm. So I I think that we just have a better, like from a, like as bleak as it might sound, I think our best bet is just fixing the problems on the planet that we were naturally evolved to be on. There's also the, there's also the unknown psychological effect of not being on earth. Like I wonder how much impact that would have on human psyche not feeling the breeze or walking on grass or, you know, being able to take your shoes off like simple things that actually, this is an interesting conversation because this is where alienation can really begin, whether it's a different race or a different supply chain of evolutionary behavior. If you were to land on Mars, let's, let's even increase our time more. We've been on Mars for a thousand years we would probably be recognized as aliens from what we're talking about now, from how we were as earthlings, right? Like how much of the human body will shift? The bone density would be different. The form of communication would be different. Sound isn't even a factor. So how much would their hearing even be necessary? All these like interesting little intricacies. And maybe this is, you know, this is a theory in terms of, um, the philosophy behind aliens themselves. It's like really what we're talking about are things different than our current reality and understanding, whether it's new race or, or not. And it may not take that much to, to alter that. What do you think? I mean, scientists say that it would take like millions of years for us to physically change, like for us to develop longer necks or, or like, you know, I, so I don't know how quickly like the, physical like changes would happen. I I think that would probably take the the course of maybe millions of years and so forth. I I think in terms of their socialization that, that, that would immediately come into play. Like if it's, if like, you know, I mean, just not being able to step outside, like everyone might develop like much more, like that, that would definitely, because I know that vitamin D, I know that getting some sunlight changes your mood and makes you feel better. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that just, Walking outside. I mean, look, even during this pandemic, um, I really miss, I, I just got into the habit, the weather just took a, an upswing here. So I just got into the habit of taking some nice long walks and man, oh man, the difference a two hour walk makes mm-hmm. sunlight, especially on those days when the sun's out, really, I come back and my mood has just been completely rejuvenated just by having two hours of vitamin D touching my skin. So if you're living on a planet where that's never an option, I only mm-hmm. I can only imagine that the hostilities and the angers and the depression and all these other negative things would only be exacerbated because now you can't go out in the fresh air and get that beautiful uh, two hour walk in the sunlight. Otherwise, you will die of like some cancerous radiation poisoning. <laughs> it's, you know, so I, I'm like, I, I'm just thinking that like, we, we have it we really have it the best on this planet. Like mm-hmm. as, as, it, as much as it sucks to be in, uh, you know, the Sahara desert or in Antarctica and all these other extreme places, we're never going to have it better in terms of a climate than we mm-hmm. do right now. Even That's though, right. even with global warming, having to put on, uh, like I, I've never had to put on so much suntan lotion as I have in the past few years, in the, in the past few summers, you know, and that, that sucks, right? I'm like, I look like a snowman. I cover myself in so much suntan lotion. But even with all that said, I still think that we have it much better than any other planet that we could possibly inhabit. 
and we still manage to be miserable and we still manage to screw it up and we still manage to complain about stuff. So yeah, you know, I, I think I, I think in some ways if we went to another planet that had a worse climate, it might actually bring in the worst in us. We might we might be arguing like, no, let me use the virtual earth simulator now. It's my turn. And then people would just be like fighting over that, right? <laughs> right. Like a VR headset. You know, and like a penny arcade. Yeah. That, I mean, maybe this is also our biggest defense mechanism as well, right? Maybe if uh, an alien race were to pass by, maybe they're in transit yeah. on their way towards something and they see Earth and they're like, wow, so beautiful. <laughs> but, you know, they don't have carbon dioxide as their main gas, so we can't even breathe. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right. Maybe they look at us like that and they say, it's a beautiful planet. We just can't live there. So, you know, it's all yours. That's, a, that's an excellent point because I think that we have specifically evolved for this planet, right? I think like the planet, whether you believe in the book of Genesis or from a scientific standpoint, the planet was here first, right? Like long before us humans, the planet was here first. So we have been actually making ourselves adjust to the planet, not the planet adjust to us. You know, it's only recently that we have thermostats and all this other stuff. But, but generally speaking, we have been, our evolutionary process has been doing all the hard work of getting us to adjust to this blue globe with water and a few land masses scattered about. So I, I think, I, I think that you're right. I think the aliens would pass us and be like, uh, yeah, like we're not situated. Oxygen will kill us. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, so that, that's number one. And number two, I, I think that when they, if they are looking at us, they see that we don't have like a unified government. They see that we're still fighting amongst us. So who would they even speak to? Would they go to the UN? Right. Would they speak to our president? Would they speak to the president of China? I mean, they, they wouldn't even know who to talk to because we don't have our, 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 our act together. So I don't, I don't think that they could, they would want to because they're like, right. well, this is a warring people that, that don't really have their act together. There's not much we can offer them because they'll just use it to, to club each other to death. Yeah. And we don't even know if they're complex organisms. You know, they could be as simple as discovering the uh, what's the, the what's that terror bear, that small uh, microscopic animal that we recently discovered. It's been in the Museum of Natural History. It's this tiny little. They call it the snow bear because it's basically <laughs> this tiny little animal with claws that can survive in volcanoes, at the bottom of the ocean, and outer space. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. And recently they did a, a swab on the outside of the International Space Station and found Microsoft microscopic organisms from Earth emanating outward, like, you know, like bad breath and landing on the outside of the International Space Station. So our whole concept of how organisms are spread out is no different than how a single lizard happened to land on a branch and made it all the way to the Galapagos to the ocean. It's like, that's impossible, <laughs> yet it happened. Oh, man, that would be funny if the aliens land and they're like, no, 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 we're not here for you. We're here for the snow bear. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so depressing. And, and we want to talk to your dog for a bit, right? right. <laughs> the cats are like, no, 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 no. They're here for me, for sure. No, no but seriously, like, I, I think don't, don't dogs generally probably get along better with each other than we as humans do i, I could have, at least the yeah. dogs have the capacity for loyalty like i think the aliens would respect that be like hey look 
th that that dude the rover over there shows you like undying love and loyalty and that's more that's more than you're showing your wife right now and i think the aliens <laughs> the aliens would see that and and totally be judgy on it yeah like we're always we're looking at this through a human lens now the one thing the one elephant in the room here is that we as humanity have evolved so far gone from anything comparable on this planet sometimes when i'm taking a long drive and you know you start to think right you and i we're the same this way you start to think too much you go down oh some serious rabbit holes and so i start asking myself like how the hell did we even evolve to this place right because every other animal on this planet every single one the most vicious and the most passive they all are part of a single circle of life they all contribute to the chain they get what they need basic needs shelter food reproduction and then that's it but instead we build cities right and we send legions of men to war and you know we create these funky pieces of art and abstraction <laughs> so it's just like i i wonder and you know that whole theory about how like aliens came down and like you know made it out of it ape and everything which is probably not true but you know it's convenient but there is something to be said about how alienated we are from our planet and maybe at the moment our philosophy towards humanity now is so rooted in being earth-like that we're forgetting that we're not even close to being earth-like in a lot of ways and that humanity has always adapted through different environments and have overcome extreme situations from dawning of the ice age to, to the current times to multiple cataclysms and you know racial change and strife and famine and war and so you know I, I wonder if we're bred to be able to do this in a way right like we're, we evolve so different so fast in such a unique lane mm -hmm. that it's just the the fear of the jumping into the darkness is really what could inhibit us. But if we could make that leap, just maybe, just maybe, we can level up. I, I actually like your theory here. I, I, I think it's worth discussing here. So you're basically saying that the other animals, for whatever reason, and obviously they have like um, smaller cranial capacity um, th than we do, but for whatever reason, they're content. Like a dog is just content being a dog. Any any A pig is just content being a pig. And they, they don't have this this need if they did have the brain capacity they may not even have this desire to radically alter their environment and change it and make it warmer or colder or communicate through skype um but we 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 as human beings do have this proclivity or this tendency to kind of alienate ourselves from the own planet because there's nothing that stops us from going back and living in shacks right. and living in huts and doing that now now this is interesting because there are still some civilizations that actually do live very similar to how we lived thousands of years ago, you know, um, in remote part regions of the world. There are still tribes of people that have been untouched and still continue to live that way. And what I always notice, you know, anytime and look, man, it could just be camera work. You know, who am I to say? I've never visited one of these places. But what I always notice is when they're visiting a remote tribe, I always notice the smiles and the happiness mm -hmm. and, and, and that sense of like uh, of community and belonging to one another. And I, I just look at that. And, and I, I think that 
that seems more natural than a lot of the stuff that we do because I've never seen anyone smile with their eyes glued into their smartphone or whatever. Like I don't see those same kind of smiles. Even if you see like a funny meme or something, I just don't mm-hmm. see that kind of behavior. But I do see that behavior when the National Geo people go into some, uh, you know, remote region. And again, it could all just be camera work. They could just be hamming it up for the camera and putting on a good show and so forth. I don't really know. It seems to me that there is a way to live on this earth very naturally and not really desire more. So I'm wondering, like, what, why some humans desire all this and some other humans are kind of just content to be like, no, like, we've been living like this for thousands of years, no need to change. Yeah, you really hit on something quite important. Um, I, the, my, I'll give you my personal view. I don't think it answers that question. But I really think we're in the process of giving birth to a different form of humanity. I think that at the moment, we're struggling against our primordial basic drivers, such as being around a warm campfire, um, being connected to nature, listening to the leaves shake when wind travels through, right? The beauty within that. And we're giving birth to this neo-modern form of humanity that Mm -hmm. is so it's almost dystopian in terms of the typical romantic view that humanity has where, you know, you're in the Italian Hills and you're working a vineyard and you're enjoying the fruits of life. Now we're veering into this thing where we're so far on the opposite side of the spectrum. You can't compare the two. Now, I don't know if that's for better or for worse. In in my opinion, I think it's worse. Well, let's talk about, and I think we touched upon this. I think it was like maybe the second or third podcast we did when we talked about nature. And what I notice is that like, when you look at, um, when you look at cultures that, you know, are more in touch with nature, Hmm. everyone is in much better shape. Like even your 67 year olds got six packs and, and like they're running around and, and they actually look like, I mean, look in America, I just, I was just reading that 35% of Americans are obese, you know, and and, it's that high. Yeah. And now it's also spreading to China as well. And it's spreading, it's spreading to the rest of the world as well. And it's like, compared to them, we're just a lot weaker. Like the, the dude who, you know, it, it's interesting because the computer programmer, whoever who sits in front of a screen for 12 hours eating Cheetos, he's like, I, I'm a part of the most advanced civilization alive. And I'm like, but look at you, man. Like, look, look at what you've become. Whereas you see some dude, you know, running around for 12 hours a day, catching his own prey and is completely self-sufficient. I'm like, how, how could we not view that as being superior in some ways, you know, because like, 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 you know, I I think that we use the technology cloak ourselves in superiority, but I I think in many ways, the more crutches you have, right. Like the more crutches, like with the smartphone, people just don't memorize stuff as well as they used to. It's just a fact. Like, like it used to be, used to be a very valuable person. If you, you know, memorize, if you read the encyclopedia and you knew that stuff offhand, now no one bothers learning that stuff. They just look it up on their phone. I'm like, that's great. That technology has given us this leg up, but in the process, we have created another crutch for ourselves. We've made ourselves weaker. We have, um, you know, there's one more calculation. There's one more, a piece of information that has made us all, all like more useless, basically. Wow. Yeah. So well said. I mean, I, I really liken the current paradigm that we're in to the dark ages. The reality of the dark ages 
is even though it was brutal, that whole time was brutal. It's called the dark ages is because there was very little literature. There wasn't so much cultural impression mm-hmm. that survived that period. The church took up all of the information, put it into the, into the church's library. You could only learn by going through the church. It was just a total uh, pyramid scheme in terms of knowledge, <laughs> right? So that's why it's the dark ages. So they had all of this technology. They were you know, highly advanced compared to what was right before uh, probably the second iron age, just about it goes into medieval and then dark ages. And then right after that, there's a Renaissance. So I think right now we are in the dark ages of how this technology um, affects the wholeness of humanity on planet earth. I think we are too focused on things that are going in the wrong direction and, you know, maybe in a biblical sense. And soon I really do think someone's going to be able to connect the dots to where humanity isn't just this consumer that's being jostled through the pinball machine of capitalism. Yeah. A human being is how they affect other people, what they leave behind, how, what, what is the meaning of legacy. And I really do expect there to be a turnaround eventually, whether it's on this planet or not, I think that it will turn around. And we're just, we're so early into this, right? Like the internet was invented in 85. Yeah. Right? So it's our generation, you and I, well, I, I think if we wanted to impress aliens, we're not going to do it with an app that delivers hamburgers to your front door. Like that's that's for sure. Definitely not. And still awesome. <laughs> I, I think in, like one thing that kind of angers me, one thing that frustrates me with technology right now is I think a lot of our technology within the past thirty years has been geared towards making life easier and more convenient and making us lazier, dumber, and and so forth. And I want to see if we really want to impress these alien folks, I think a good shift that we need to make is how can we create technology that actually makes us stronger? That's that's going to be the next shift here because we've already perfected the art of of laziness and we've already perfected the art of like mindless entertainment. And we see that it's completely destroying us. It's making us way, way weaker than any of our ancestors ever could have possibly imagined. And 35% of Americans obese, you know, type two diabetes spreading like no tomorrow. Like this is, this, this is definitely not like from an, it's actually counter to our evolutionary process because the purpose right. of evolution is to survive. This technology is actually killing us off more that for the first time in the past two years, the, like the maximum age actually lowered. I think it went for males from like 78 to like 76 or something. I'm like, that's sad. That That's sad. And why is that? Well, it's because of uh, too much sitting around, too much, mm-hmm. you know, heart conditions and all this other stuff kind of increasing. So the technology that we're actually inventing to make our lives softer and easier is actually making us weaker. And it's also making us depressed more because it's too easy. It's, we're not, our minds were meant to hunt for 12 hours a day. And then when we caught like a little squirrel, <gasps> you know, euphoria, eureka, like, oh my God, I am so proud of myself. When you actually live in a world where you just open up a refrigerated door and pull out a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, there's no eureka and there's no amazingness out of it. And and that, that kind of leads to depression because you can basically survive on this planet without really doing all that much. Yeah. Or contributing anything for the next person. If I was a betting man, I would say the paradigm in the next 300 years is going to shift towards drafting an evolutionary plan 
over the next thousand years. And instead of having technology be implanted as the primary way we grow, I really do think humanity is going to say, well, okay, what's smarter? Biological system that takes care of all these things that the technology is helping us with or being solely reliant on technology. I have a funny feeling it's going to go towards shifting biologically. And you're going to see this absolute change of utilizing things like CRISPR, um, genetic you know, re-encoding in order to, um, before birth, assess exactly how the biology of this soul that you are bringing into this life, how they will be set up. That's my expectation. I really do think we're going to be off technology in a way because I, it's just I, what's it going to do? I get a little worried with some of that stuff. In the re and then look, I, I think that here, here's yeah. the part of it that I like. I like the part of like, hey, there's clearly, um, you know, a genetic deformity here. Let's go ahead and just patch that up before you're born. Great. I think that's fantastic. Um, I love stem cell research. I love, oh my goodness, you lost your arm. Let's go ahead and harvest you a new one. I think that's fantastic. That's the kind of science that we 100% need to be going full throttle because no one can, there's no downside to not growing a new arm. Like that's not going to make right. you weaker. If you grow someone a new arm and attach it to them and now they have a newly functional arm, that is fantastic. There's no, mm -hmm. I don't see any downside to that. I think that with um, engineering the perfect human, there is like if we just said okay every human every male is going to be six foot one full head of hair you know blue eyes what you know i'm i get a little worried about that stuff mm. because they say that one of our greatest self-defense mechanisms is genetic diversity meaning that if everybody was the same exact thing it actually impedes our innovation because genetic diversity just having people who think differently, right? And just perceive the world within a spectrum, right? Within a spectrum to have genetic variation is positive because it's, you know, an outlier of the of your community might be the one that comes up with the next great invention, or he might be the one that saves us from something that we never saw possible. So I think that if everyone looked the same, if everyone was, was too cookie cutter, that could spell some problems. Again, take care of like the, the clear deformities, the clear things that um, are undesirous, but I wouldn't, I, I think harvesting a, um, you know, creating, you know, creating like I, perfect human beings is, is going to be some dangerous ground to walk can't on. Can't play God. You just yeah. can't do it. No. But unfortunately they're going <laughs> to, you know, like <laughs> you and I aren't going to stop them, but you can always design diversity as well. Unfortunately, if you can design a human being into any situation, let's say options are endless. You can design diversity as well as uniformity. If that's something you wanted. Now you and I both would definitely agree that it's more likely going to become more of like a power grab and eugenics is going to be back into a conversation. And then, you know, we're all doing that all over again, unfortunately. That's probably going to happen before this, but sure. Perfect world, right? Perfect world. We're describing Eden. We'd be able to have zero disease, zero deformity, optimal brain um, cognition, optimal body ability, athleticism, patience, capacity to learn. Um, that would be really, really interesting. You know, I, I don't know how that would end or if it would end well or what, but I mean, we got it. We got to find a permanent solution to this, right? Like I just see technology as temporary solutions where it's a patchwork mm -hmm. and it makes us so vulnerable as, as a human being, because you take that away. We're basically an infant. 
Yeah. Whereas our ancestors before were doing incredible feats of strength and, and able to withstand enormous pressures just on their own biology. And that, and there's a certain level of superiority in that. Like there's almost, there's almost an envy. Like when we see people that like live in log cabins, you know, harvest their own food, chop down their own trees, there is a certain level of envy that I think all of us, if we're being honest with ourselves, kind of admit like, well, you know, no matter, you know, like it's kind of, I think it's kind of cool to be able to live in the middle of the woods and no matter who's president or whatever, that's going to have like almost no bearing on you. Like power comes from not having to depend on people as much. Yeah. And this might be what would be shaken up if we were to create, if we were to make contact with an outside alien race, they might be able to shed that light in terms of our current perception, because the reality is Every single American, almost, almost, okay, hold on, that would have been a hyperbolic statement. Almost every single American has it within their means to do some planting, some farming. Hell, we're allowed to buy property. There was a time when no one could have any property. And there was also a time when if you were to contribute yourself militarily, you were rewarded with land to have just that opportunity to grow things, to be completely interdependent. You just made, holy crap, uh, you just just you just entered a thought into my mind and i i just thought of this imagine it's the best case scenario and the aliens arrive and they're the most benevolent aliens ever and they're like oh my goodness we're going to help you we're going to give you unlimited food we're going to take care of all your genetic deficiencies we 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 have got you I think that would be the worst thing for us because they they would become our benevolent overlords. And I think over time, we would just see how inadequate and inferior we are. And we would come to resent our overlords because we see if aliens came and just took care of us like babies, well, then we would know that we are truly we truly have no purpose. We would be like, oh, my God. There, there's no matter how hard we try, we're never going to be as smart. We're never going to be as good as them. And I think we would all just fall into some giant level of depression because I think we like being independent. I think we like figuring things out and discovering stuff out for ourselves. We love it. We love, that's why, that's why we love inventors. We love inventors. We're like, whoa, you're the first guy to do that. But if a bunch of aliens just keep handing this stuff down to us, we're going to start hating ourselves. We're going to be like, well, what good are we? And life has no in me. Like if every if all our needs are just met and everything that we want is just instantly provided for us, we just become never ending infants. If there's no challenge, maybe the aliens realize that maybe the aliens realize that if they just came down and gave us handy, you know, hand me downs, <laughs> we're, you know, we're, we're going to grow to kind of hate ourselves and then we're going to resent our overlords. We'll be like, well, you know, uh, this genetically produced pizza is not, you know, is only 99% perfect or, you know, it's like, come on, man, we're, we're going to find something to complain about. Yeah. They have to know if they are looking down on us right now, they have to know that really adults are just babies with stronger arms and legs. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not that big of a difference. And, you know, a good parent doesn't just throw bounty towards you it, it's more about leading you to figure it out for yourself yes um so i could see that but i'll play devil's advocate for that say best case scenario they are benevolent yeah i see two things happening i think that humanity's ego um is really summed up in a formula of it's almost like doing trigonometry where you have three points and you're creating a hierarchical order and it's the juxtaposition between those two angles that helps you determine how far you can go so when a benevolent 
species comes down to planet earth, we're going to be like, wow, it's that high. I mean, this is part of the reason of religion is that mm -hmm. we know where the ceiling is. So it just might happen. It just might happen. And man, this is a big leap, big, big leap. But wouldn't it be great if we discovered humility instead of self-deprecation? I think it depends how, okay, if they kind of just show us the cool fancy gadgets, but then they don't give it to us, then then we might have like a higher star in the sky to aim for. And that might be a positive thing. So if they be like, hey, here's cool space laser, we're not going to give this to you, nor are we going to show you how it works, but we're just going to show you that it exists. And then they kind of take off with that stuff. That might be positive because I'm be like, oh, wow, you know, look what's possible. Now, now we have a new North Star and that might, uh, it's, it's kind of like Sputnik, right? Like right. we had just been like, no one, no one's going to space. And then Sputnik <laughs> went up and then that showed us, wait a minute, it is possible. And that's, it's really good. It's really good to have an adversary, but mm. they would have to play almost a benevolent adversary role, right? Instead of like a benevolent caretaker, they're kind of just saying, look at our cool stuff. Isn't that awesome? And then that motivates us to get better. That might be a more constructive role to play. I think just giving us that stuff, just, just mm. handing it down, we are going to end up resenting ourselves. And then like people who resent themselves can't help but resent others. I think, I think, I think if you don't have self-love, you are incapable yes. of loving others. And I think that as a species, if we don't love ourselves, we're going to end up hating those aliens. We, we are going to just mm -hmm. start nitpicking and finding problems with every little thing that they do and every little thing that they give us. So I, I, I think, I think the aliens, creating a welfare state over here on earth would be the worst it would be like the worst thing for us god that'd be funny i mean that does kind of underline the you know the theory that they've been communicating with us for a long period of time just not on our time scale slight nudges here and there within history mm -hmm. to kind of associate this mystery and this you know wonderment of how achievements were acquired in the first place and just how how high that bar can actually be it would make sense from a logical standpoint knowing what we know about ourselves as human beings it would make sense to take it slow to slowly I think, move it in i think covert breadcrumbs is totally cool like if they want to just quietly slide us something <laughs> and then and then we think we invented it ourselves <laughs> I, I think that's a much, I think that, I think the, I think then the status quo is the way to go where, you know, every 50 years they're like, Psst, see that? Oh, shoot. A silicon chip. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. We invented that. You know, like I think that's, <laughs> I think that's a much better way to go because I, I think that they have an understanding of our ego and they know that we want to be the ones that figure it out and little hints and little prods and little pokes and little, and I think it's also, we respect things that are mysterious. You know, I think one of the reasons that we are always thinking about God and always like in wonderment of it is because it's a mystery and it's silent. Like we don't, like, it's just, it's not there. Once you make something tangible, once you make something physical in front of you, it's like, it's like meeting a celebrity in person for like, imagine you, you, you are idolizing a celebrity and you don't know, oh my God, what does this person think? How does the person react? But then imagine you just hung out with that celebrity for like a month. All of the mystique, all of the wonder, all of the awe would just be stripped away day after day. It's like, Oh man, you're really listening to that song again? Oh, 
great yeah you know and the aliens know that they know that if they if they were just being chummy with us and walking down park avenue or whatever we would get sick and tired of them because they'd become familiar and unfortunately what becomes familiar sometimes becomes the object of our resentment if if we if it's too familiar we start to get used to it and then once we get used to it we start to abuse it so i think this whole policy of just like quietly sending us technology on the down low we can't really verify it but there's like secret classified cia things that are sort of there but not really i think that's the way to go i, I think they've got I've, i think they've perfected it <laughs> that would make sense i mean there's one thing that always rubbed me the wrong way about current technology it just there's always an association with technology pre-1900s right with nature simple things that you can find resemblant within nature, basic sure. physics, basic natural law, right? Like even, even the airplane, well, I guess I was pre 1900, right? Even the airplane makes sense because you see birds fly and you say, sure. well, how are they doing that? But we're in this whole other category now where <laughs> the technology we make doesn't resemble anything in nature. Mm. And that's a first time. And, you know, I'm not suggesting anything. I, it, it's, obviously probably just smart people have gotten smarter and you know we're into this whole new tier of what we can build but you know there is i think a uh, like a relational difference we've we've entered a new firmament in terms of how we invent things and how we construct things this is interesting so it's like based on nature it's kind of like unnatural for us to invent wi-fi for example like it's just right. it's not something that can be replicated in nature whatsoever. Like I, I could be walking around a forest for hundreds of years and I would never, it would never occur to me like, oh yeah, um, inter, interconnected computers that can talk to each other across. I mean, it, if I, I, I think, you know, it, it's an interest, it's like, it kind of comes down to that breadcrumb theory. Like this technology is so advanced. It must've been a breadcrumb from a higher civilization. It's like, psst, hey, you can do, did you know that there's these invisible waves around you? Just letting you know, bye. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it, it could be that. I want to, I'm going to err on the side that we're actually, we were smart enough to figure it out. I, I'm yeah. going to just, I'm just going to give us the benefit of the doubt and just figure that, Maybe we studied, you know, maybe, you know, it's funny, I, I talked about swinging tree monkeys in the beginning of this episode, maybe we saw how they kind of one one monkey kind of talked to another and then that monkey passed on the message to several other and we had an idea we had an idea of like, well, wait a minute, what if we could do that with machines right because that's basically what the internet is the internet is just yeah. computers talking to one another over over uh, a network right. Uh, you know, maybe we saw the vibration patterns in, in water and that that kind of just gave us some kind of idea of like, huh, this one, yeah. yeah, like, like, like there are waves, right? Like the idea, mm -hmm. like, I think the idea of like sound waves can be based on just regular, like water waves, you know, like this idea of like messages transferring over and maybe, maybe, maybe we we're, we're smarter than we think. And we were able to kind of put those things together. It is, it is amazing that the past 100, 150 years have been so radically different than everything else that pretty much came before it. I think for our sake, it's best to go with the theory that we did it ourselves because one, we, really, we can really pat ourselves on the shoulder and be like, good job. Good, 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 good job, primate. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Speaking of, did you see this orangutan that started using a spear? Really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. The, they, they saw fishermen fishing with 
with spears. And so now this one tribe, I don't know if you can call them tribe, but they feel like <laughs> humans now. You know, this one group of orangutan are using spears to catch fish on the riverbanks. And so, so they're they, using tools. Wow, that's pretty using awesome. Tools. So maybe as we, I guess as we get upgrades, then everyone else below us, it's like trickle down, you know, trickle down technology. Like, oh, we, you know, we invent Wi-Fi, they learn how to use spears, you know, <laughs> everyone, everyone moves up the, the cognitive food chain, so wow, to speak. Wow, that's an interesting thought. I mean, that could be a reason we're here, right? It's to be the tip of the spear. All right. To kind of conclude here, I, I, I can't say for sure what aliens are doing, not doing, and so forth. But I think the enigma and keeping it a mystery is probably the best. If they're listening to me right now, just disappear. Just keep yourselves quiet. If we're really in trouble, send us a secret breadcrumb. But that's, that's about it. I, I, I think that they have. that's the best policy. I think that if they fundamentally, at this moment, if they came down and said anything to us, couldn't handle uh, we, it. we would not be able no to way. handle it. We, we, we don't have, we don't have our game. We're, we're not, we're, we haven't come together fully as a species. You know, we're still tribal. We're still divided by countries and states and laws and all this other stuff. We're not on the same page as a collective species. And we don't have the humility, you know, like you said earlier, we don't have the humility. We just don't have any of those things to really interact with something that is godlike or superior to us. 100% agree. We're yeah. not mature enough. You know, we, uh, we haven't even built a monument to show appreciation of what could be. Yes. Like we've, we've degraded ourselves from trying to uh, invest all of our resources to reach for that higher ideal. So why would they, you know, don't, don't trust it. Please stay up there. I don't want shit to hit the fan. <laughs> We're good for now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe let's, you know what? I, I believe in this one theory, whether, whether it's, whether we're interacting with aliens or Supreme being, I think that if we really want to get their attention, good deeds really does the trick. And I think that one of the things that we keep doing is we keep saying to ourselves, if we just got a hold of these CIA documents, or we just, we're trying to outsmart something that's way smarter than us, right? Mm -hmm. But maybe if we just fixed our ozone layer, they, like that would be like the parent that, that would be like the parent coming in and being like okay i see that you're doing your homework now i'm <laughs> i'm taking you out to like denny's outback yeah, I'm, taking <laughs> yeah. To, I'm taking you to outback on sunday and i think if we really want to get these aliens attention instead of like setting up more telescopes and set you know instead of just mm -hmm. trying to they're way smarter than us we're never going to outfox them we're never going to do it but if we actually do the things that we're meant to be doing, like fixing our ozone layer or like, hey, you know, we just eradicated uh, hunger in another country. You know, look how well we're getting along. Look how nicely we're taking care of this planet. Then and only then do I think that either aliens or some supreme being may show us just a little bit more favor because they'll be like, all right, you're headed in the right direction. You're not you're not my uh, bastard failed project. <laughs> Alex, thank you so much for being on the show today. This was fun. Thank you. This concludes the 115th episode of the Truth Island podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.